podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Harry Kane's late header saved the day as Tottenham Hotspur broke Crystal Palace hearts and made it three Premier League wins away on the spins to bounce back into the top four at Chelsea's expense. As we have the last word on Spurs. Cleverly for Sheringham. The and Defoe all the way! Before we start the show, just a little bit of administration. We are delighted to announce we've actually forged a brand new partnership with an organisation by the name of Pitch DMM. Now, that company have created a brilliant app for all football fans. The app itself will provide facts about the fans as a whole, including team selection, performance of players, managers and even boards. I'm pleased to say what we'll be able to do on a weekly basis is share those stats with you live, on air and across all social media. So guys, in order to make this work, we need simply every single one of our listeners each week to the show to simply download the app. Now you can do that by going to the Play Store on either your smartphone, your tablet or any other media device and search Pitch DMM and hit download. If you guys can download the app and let us know once you've got involved, that'd be absolutely great because this app will allow us all to interact and we're really looking forward to it, guys. On this edition of The Last Word on Spurs, we'll be talking about a late, late show at Selhurst Park, which saw Harry Kane get Spurs the three points at the death. We'll be taking a host of questions for tonight's panel and looking ahead to Rochdale to come in the FA Cup back at Wembley in the replay. So, let's introduce the panel, talking us through the next hour. Back as always, I've got Jason McGovern with me. Jace, how are you? Very well, mate. It's been a, it was a really good Super Sunday, wasn't it? It was a In Super Sunday. More ways than one yesterday, oh, so fantastic weekend, mate. Yes, we're going to come on to all that, Jace. Don't you worry about that. Joining Jason tonight, back on the show. Delighted to have him here. We've got journalist for Football London, Alistair Gold with us. Alistair, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Thanks for having me. Don't be silly. The pleasure is all ours. The pleasure is all ours. Last but not least, I'm delighted to say also back on the show, we've got Dan, the creator and also YouTube channel, Yidvids. Dan, how are you? Shame about the Arsenal, isn't it? How are you boys doing? <laughs> Shame about the Arsenal, mate, Dan. What a week. I mean, Dan, can you believe it? I mean, what a weekend we say. Spurs win, go into fourth, Chelsea lose, go into fifth, Arsenal getting spanked in a cup final. I mean, we've had worse weekends, haven't we, Dan? We certainly have, but so to rain on it, I was kind of hoping Chelsea got a bit of a point, to be honest. Well, I <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's not bad. United... We West Ham got an absolute freshness as well. I know, and you've got to say, United, even though they're, like I say, second, they got that win, they're still very much catchable. I mean, 
Jace, let's yeah. I mean, Jace, let's start with you. I got to say, Jace. I mean, the greatest tribute I can pay to that performance on the weekend against Palace was, you know, that Pochettino teams. No matter what circumstances, we never do give up. No matter the amount of missed opportunities we had. I mean, Jace. For years, we've asked for a group of players to fight, and we finally got it. What did you make of that performance, Jace, at Selhurst Park? wasn't uh, wasn't the best one, was it? And uh, it looked like it could be another frustrating game. But just for once, I got the the score prediction right and even the the whole way the game would play out I said it could be a really scrappy ugly 1-0 win against a side that just got no interest in playing a game of football at all and you know I think that's what the sixth or seventh time we've beaten Palace 1-0 since they came up and I think the last five games between the two clubs have all finished 1-0 if you include the the cup tie they won at White Hart Lane so I think that you know everything went according to plan in, in that respect and we We've won a lot of those very late. When Yama's header at White Hart Lane last year was what last ten minutes, then Ericsson won it late at Sellers Park. So um, you know everything went as I expected it to. And I think if you're going to make no contribution towards a game of football whatsoever, you thoroughly deserve to get beat. And the later that goal comes, the sweeter it is because there's nothing you can do about it, and you've wasted time through a game defended like mad and you've got caught right at the death and it I'd, in a way I'd sooner win a game like that 1-0 than win it 4-0 just to, to you know ram it down their throats that, that football like that has got no place in the game Oh Jace say as it is say as it is let's bring you in Alistair <laughs> I mean Zoe Pearson asked the question was that a match a case of a team completely underperforming or winning well ugly what do you reckon Alistair on that one? I think the latter I think the latter um, I think Harry Kane pretty much kind of epitomised the whole Tottenham team on the day, didn't he, really? It's just chance after chance. Mm. Had some absolute sitters, one in each half, I think it was, wasn't it? And he still keeps going. And he keeps going to the very last minute and he pops up, as I said, I think on Twitter, something like, you know, he obviously was a curse with his feet, so he decided to use his head and it, you know, and it did the job. Um, and Poch kind of said it after the game. He said, that's... That's what he's like as a player. He doesn't give up. He forgets. If, if he's missed a chance, he doesn't dwell on it. He forgets, keeps going, knows another one's going to come along and he knows he's going to take it at some point. And that was the way. they. they it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but it is one of the games that Spurs in the past would have either drawn or conceded a crap breakaway goal late in the match. You know, And, and they kept plugging away. And as someone told me today, and I thought it was quite right, that, you know, after the goal, Spurs absolutely shut out the game as well. It was really kind of from that on, it was like, that's it, we're done, we're finished, you've had it. I wanted, I know Jace said a bit of a pop-up Palace, and I completely understand why. I've got to give them a tiny bit of credit. They are absolutely decimated by injuries at the moment. I think they've got something like 12, is it 12 key players out? They had a kid at right back of the game. I thought, for what they had... They did the best of what they had. They 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 couldn't attack. They didn't really have that. They only kind of was it Townsend and Benteke. That was about it. And I thought they defensively they they tried their best. You know, I suppose you could argue if Kane had put away that first half early chance, then maybe it would have been a completely different game. But I'm going to give them a tiny bit of credit. I did I did think they defended well at times. Yeah, like I say, I think you're right, there, Alistair. We have to give them an ounce of credit, even if Jace might not allow us. I mean, Dad, I got to ask you. No, I'm not giving them. <laughs> I'm not giving them any credit, no mate. Credit none at all. <laughs> no credit. When when you're in their position with ten games left, you've got to start winning games. No good getting a point here and there. And, and I, I take it they're decimated. But we're without our two top choice centre halves. So at least try and win a free kick in a corner in our half. For God's sake, do something to win a game. There you go. Roy's listening. Jace, give me a right old rollicking. <laughs> I tell, Dad, I've got to ask you. I mean, 
Spurs in general now. I mean, that's we're unbeaten now in our last 15 games in all competitions. Our best run in 19 years. I mean, the only unbeaten team in the Premier League in 2018. Dan, you've got to say, this Spurs side, they're showing the resilience, aren't they, at this time of the season where they need it most? Do you know what? The, the performance yesterday and the win, I know they, uh, Palace were a bit decimated, but it was almost kind of, without the performance, it was always kind of as, as impressive to win as it was some of the recent results because our away form still hasn't been the best, has it? I mean, we drew at Rochdale, I mean, we did great at Juventus, but it's not the best. And I was quite glad just to see us get over the line, even though I think, to be honest, if Kane had brought his shooting boots, we'd have... We'd have probably won three or four, and Oria, obviously, we'll probably talk about him later. But oh, we'll he was on the that. ball in the in, in the six-yard box. I mean, we had a lot of chances. I mean, I think we'd probably be praised praising performance of our team a little bit better if we had just taken some of those chances and maybe won, you know, by two or three or even maybe four nil. But yeah, I think I think it shows a lot of resilience. To be honest, we're always going to going to score eventually. Yeah, it had that thing, didn't it? We created chance after chance after chance. I think like Alistair says and Jason, I mean, you do feel when a day like that, sometimes you, you do tend to worry it's not going to come. But in the end, it did. That's the most important thing. I mean, I want to bring it back, guys, to the, the team lineup itself. We saw Lamella being favoured. We had Dyer dropping back into defence with Vertonghen missing out for injury, while Wanyama started in the heart of that midfield with Oria preferred to Trippier. Now, Alistair, I want to ask you a question. The, does seem to be a perception out there that despite the 26 goals in 89 league appearances from Son, that he's only ever really a couple of performances away, poor ones, from being left out of the Tottenham team, as we've seen with Lamella. Do you, can you understand that, Alistair, on that one? It's it's so incredibly unfortunate for Son, but that is totally kind of my view on it as well. You know, he's had two seasons now where he's absolutely smashing the goals in and brings so much more to the team than just the goals. But I've just always got this sense with Pochettino that... Yeah, like you say, if if there's a reason to to take him out of the side and bring Lamella back in, he'll take it. I think Lamella for him is one of these kind of maybe not special player, but a player. He, he said a couple of weeks back that Lamella kind of embodies the philosophy of what he's looking for, and I think he was one of the first players when he kind of rocked up at Spurs. Lamella took it all in quickly, exactly what he wanted from the team, and obviously there's he's a compatriot as well, his fellow Argentine. I do feel that sometimes maybe that not blinds him but he'll favour Lamella sometimes in scenarios and you think it's been incredibly unfortunate Son I mean Son has, has his form's dipped slightly but we're talking about two or three games you know we're not talking a big dip at all and maybe that's only relative to the ridiculously high standards he's been setting beforehand I thought it was a strange one yesterday uh, and I do feel that when Son's confidence dips maybe Poch has got to take a little bit of a blame for that if he's going to take him out of the team and, and not back him. I totally understood why Lucas Moura wasn't playing. Lucas Moura is not fit. He's nowhere near no. fit. Mm. Poch made that very clear in the press conference as well. We could kind of tell he's he's, well, he's clearly going to be on the bench. And uh, yeah, I think it was, it, wasn't that his first start in something like seven months against Rochdale? He's He'll no doubt be feeling it in his legs at the moment. But uh, that's going to be a hell of a three-way battle, though. When he's fit, you can imagine Lucas, Lamella and Son all fighting for pretty much one spot. It's, uh, it's a great problem to have, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we've all argued, haven't we, on this show and like previously about the lack of depth in the Tottenham squad. I mean, it's certain to say that area, we've certainly had it. I mean, Jace, you are a massive Sonny fan. So, I mean, I'll ask the same question to you. Do you think there's that certain perception? Is it rightful? I think Batesy Boy ran it on Twitter that, you know, Lamella, he seems to get into that team ahead of Sonny. Can you understand that, Jace? Well, I think you're right. Sonny, Sonny definitely gets left out a lot quicker than than uh, any of the other forward players would do. But, you know, when you've got the choices there now and you've got Mora and you've got Lamella back fit, you know, lots of people are saying Lamella gives us something that 
that we haven't had all season. And, and, and as Alistair says, when you've got so many players now to cram into a team, <laughs> you can make a case for any of them being picked and you can make a, a case for any of them being left out. It's, it's you know, we've, we've screamed out for competition for places and therefore when, when that competition finally arrives, then, you know, you will see players start to get left out and that's just the way it is. I, I, I always find with Pochettino, like if, if he wants to pick that team, there's so little between lots of them that I'm, I'm quite happy for him to, to pick the team that he wants to go with and I'll understand that. And as, as big a fan of Sonny as I am, and I thought he had a much better impact when he came on than Lucas Moura did. But, but you know, if, if that's the way Pochettino wants to go, then that's fine by me. Yeah, I mean, Dan, I've got to ask you, I am a massive Eric Lamella fan, I've got to say. I always have been, despite of his injuries. I mean, Dan, what sort of offence are you on about this certain subject? Um, I think three-way battles are a bit actually a bit harsh. Uh, you're actually forgetting about Sissoko. But we'll move on from that. <laughs> the brave man to raise um, that, Dan. It's a four-man battle. A four-man um, battle. Do, do you know what I'd like to see? I mean, it's my, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I wouldn't mind seeing him try and play Lamella and Sonny together. Maybe... I don't want to say drop Deli Alley, but maybe a Ericsson, Lamella and Son sort of three behind Kane. Okay. I don't know. I mean, Deli Alley hasn't scored in a little while. He's playing really well, but um, I'm not sure. To be honest, I spent about two and a half years really hating Eric Lamella, but I think the last two years, actually before he got injured, um, you really sort of see what he brings. And I know he's you know, prone to a yellow card after about two minutes, but he's. I think he does offer something different to Son. I mean, Son's more of a goal threat, but I think Lamella is actually a little bit more creative inside those defences that really sit back and we've got to run like a door. He's a bit of an Ericsson type rather than a sort of son's a bit more of a winger. That's what. That's how I see it, really, I think. Yeah. I mean, I'd say such an interesting debate, that one, about the Sonny, Lamella, Deli Alley, even like we say in there, Mora. It's, like I say, it's going to run and run. There's so many choices throughout the season, which is what we all want to see. I mean, let's get it back to the game itself. Jace, I mean, early on, let's fair to say, Ben Davis, look, he was caught by Hennessy over the... The Welshman himself, Jace, it seemed that he was the only one appealing for it. I mean, in hindsight, Jace, was that a penalty when you look back at it? Well, it, it definitely was. You can't escape that. It, it should have been a penalty. But it was a it was a very similar incident with Palace uh, at Wembley when Galaniga came out. And I think that was with Jason Punchin. When he came out for a punch, missed the ball completely and, and almost decapitated Jason Punchin. So <laughs> it, it was a very similar type of thing. And... You know, we didn't get it this week, and we and it went our way at Wembley. So, but it, yeah, without a doubt, it should have been a penalty. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, Alistair, when you're there in real time like that, and you're watching the game so intensely, do you spot that first hand? Do we have to give the referees a little bit of of room of manoeuvre? What do you think? Um, I don't know. I think it's one of those scenarios. I think goalkeepers, strangely, sometimes will get away with stuff in the box that maybe defenders don't. I don't, I don't know why it is, but they just do. Um, and, uh, I mean, Jace makes a great point there. I completely forgot about the Gazaniga um, kind mm. of moment at Wembley. Wembley yeah. it, it kind of, in a weird way, almost balanced up, didn't it? Um, both are both were penalties. You know, it's, if, if that was a defender in the box and you caught the man after the ball had gone, it, it's a penalty. It's, it's as clear as that. There's no kind of getting around the definition of the rule or anything. But, yeah, I think, like I say, maybe the goalkeepers, they just get that slight slight rub of the green sometimes. And, I mean, there were a couple of occasions. I mean, um, the Deli Alley one, you know, it, it's one of those. Mm. He's obviously, I'm sure, we're going to come on to the oh, other yeah. aspect of, mm. uh, of Delhi. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some people would say that's a penalty. Harry Kane, was he, you know, it was such a tight decision on the offside. Was he possibly on? That would have been a penalty. Um, 
yeah, there were there were a few decisions that were, were so marginal in that game and could have gone really either way. Yeah, well, talk, let's bring in the Delhi Alley chat. I mean, Dan, you mentioned him earlier. I mean, with the Delhi incidents on Sunday, we had two separate ones, didn't we? We had the first one where it looks like Van Hanelt comes right through the back of him and cleans him out. And at the time, that looked like a cast-iron penalty. Whereas the second one, Dan, it looked like Delhi was already going to ground, anticipating contact that was never made. I mean, what did you make of both of those incidents when you were watching them in real time? Um well, those the, the one like the first one, the Van Arnold one, he's never going to get one of them anymore because I think he's been brandished now. a bit of a yeah. diver. Yeah, his reputation has gone already. But I will stick up for him and say that pretty much every single side in the Premier League is doing it. I mean, it depends on how you see diving. But, mm. I mean, <laughs> you take it out of his game. and I, I mean, you want to say to him, Delhi, stop, stop. You know, just stop what you're doing. But at the same time, you see what Jamie Vardy's doing. Jamie Vardy's a better diver than Delhi Alley. And there's there's many there's many players in the Premier League that are doing it. You sort of feel like if you don't do it, you're sort of giving away that advantage. I mean, I'd love to know what you guys think, but I sort of say to him, sort of what Pochettino says, if you're clever about it, I mean... Oh my God, Dan, I mean, my argument is that he's not <laughs> you know being I mean? clever. The problem, Dan, I think, is that he's not he's being not. clever at the moment, is he? Because it's... I mean, you could arguably say... Our Spurs starting to get a reputation where we're going to cost us in big games where we're not going to get the big calls. When I mean, we are getting the penalties, listen, apart from Sunday, we have been getting them, we have to say. We've been getting them consistently. But you do start to worry, Dan, that we may not get these calls now because of what Ali's instance is doing. You know what, I'm not sure. I'm not, that's, that's one point of view. But I, mm-hmm. I kind of almost think that uh, at the same time, you're going to get ones maybe that, that aren't for his antics. Oh, it sounds really terrible. It sounds like I'm trying to tell him to cheat, doesn't it? But um, <laughs> you're going to get. It might balance itself out a bit. I mean, I don't know. I mean, like I say, it's difficult. It's it's very difficult. I mean, yeah. I mean, to be honest, Kane Kane's a bit does it a bit as well. I mean, he Kane's much better at it, but Kane leaves his legs in sometimes. So I mean, it, I think it's just wrong. To, to blame Deli Ali for everything when I say look at Monreal's one yesterday and look at oh, Wilshere's one. Oh, of course, Wilshere's one, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like so, say, yeah. I mean, other clubs are definitely doing it. I mean, Jace, let's get, your, let's get your thoughts on it as well, Jace, the incidents about Deli Ali on Sunday. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The first one for me, like I said, Van Anel definitely clears him out and that's a penalty. But the second one, Jace, I mean, he's, he's going to ground before there's no anywhere near contact looking to be made on him. Well, if I'm being honest, I thought the, the first one on him when I saw it three or four times in slow motion, I thought, yep, that's a penalty. But when I first saw it, one look at real speed, I wasn't screaming at the TV, that's a definite penalty. And we have to remember, referees get one look at real speed from one angle. And there was plenty of bodies around Delhi Alley. I don't know what, what the referee's view was, but he may well have just, you know, he may well have just not seen it as a, as you know as blatantly as as you then see it from the camera behind the goal and then the one high up on this stand and things like that so you know i i, I wasn't too too angry about that one but the the second one with a goalkeeper that is the problem with Deli Ali, isn't it because that was a blatant dive and he's he's going down way before the you know before the goalkeeper gets to him so you know if he's got a problem if if he's not going to get penalties he's only got himself to to blame for it and and until he he gets out of it then it's always going to be the the accusation that's thrown at him and, and yes i take the view that monreal dived and um, jack wilshire dived and and there are plenty of players in the premier league that dive but none of them have got booked three or four times for doing it and none of them are doing it every single week every time they go into the box and that's 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 almost delhi's problem it and you're right he's got to be as cute as kane kane kind of waits for the contact and then make sure when it comes, then he'll go down. 
whereas Delhi's going down sometimes before it, and he has to sort that that part of himself out. The, the one at Burnley, the one at Rochdale, a, a blatant penalties that that's the right thing to do. Make sure you get the contact, and when it comes, go over the leg. But Delhi's been going over the, you know, going down before the leg even comes out, and that's where you're going to have the problem. He does get caught diving, and we score the penalty. He gets banned for two games, so mm. he must he must be doing it instinctively. I mean, I don't, know. Well, I, I don't know. Let's ask Alistair. I mean, let's bring you in, Alistair. You're there, like I say, in real time watching him. I mean, is it a concern at the moment these decisions are going to start to, like I say, have major consequences to Tottenham where reputations of players are going to start to go before them overall? Maybe. Maybe. But then referees also kind of got to look the other way, that they haven't got an agenda against a certain player in a certain way. And I think it all balances it up. Uh, itself out with that sort of thing. I mean, I think my thing that I've always felt with with Deli Ali, it, it's it's all born of frustration. I mean, the guy has got to be the most kicked player on the football pitch. Mm-hmm. Honestly, he just gets kicked everywhere. When he takes his shin pads and socks off at the end of the game, he must be absolutely covered in <laughs> bruises and everything. Honestly, and and he, and I watch him there, and he just gets so frustrated, just sitting on the turf, not getting decisions, and he's going mental. I've got to exaggerate this or I've got to do this. Otherwise, I'm just not going to get anything from this bloody referee. And unfortunately, yeah, you get moments like that. You know, there's a part of me that you're wondering in your head, is he trying to, is he anticipating the contact? Uh, yeah, as in, I'm going to have to jump over this keeper anyway. Am, am I going down early? It's it's a funny one. I mean, I've asked Poch about it a couple of times over the season. His kind of answers have changed as the season's gone on. I think I asked him early, was it maybe Huddersfield away? I think he possibly got done for a, a dive. Yellow mm. uh, yeah, card. I asked him after the game, Poch, and he said, he said, oh, you know, that's something he's got to learn from. He's got to, he's got to not do that. And he was kind of quite contrite about it. It was like maybe the right way to deal with it. And then when I asked him, um, was it probably, I think, was it Liverpool? It was one quite recently. And, uh, and he, yeah, he completely kind of did a bit of a flip side. It, it flipped around. It was more like, you know, he, he needs to be protected. He's, uh, you know, this, he doesn't mean to do these things. And then, obviously, we had the press conference a couple of, um, sorry, not a couple of weeks ago, yesterday, um, after the game. And he was actually saying, you know, every, essentially people are picking on him. And he's becoming a marked man. Everyone's watching him. And other players are getting away with stuff that he's not and things like that. It's, it's a difficult one. I think the trouble is, in a weird way, that's kind of drawing even more attention yeah. to him. That's the problem. He's not going to stop s- simulating, as it were, until someone tells him he just can't do it anymore. He doesn't care what us journalists are writing, what the fans are booing. It's something on the content that's not quite as frowned upon as it is here. And... Yeah, until maybe he gets that ban, maybe it's it's not actually going to stop. Yeah, and we'll have to wait and see in the coming weeks. I mean, it is a little bit of a concern. And like I say, di- listen, we can't get away from it. Every other club is picking up on it. And, you know, even getting people now tweeting with videos of Delhi saying, when are the FA going to do anything about it? I mean, listen, as a Tottenham fan, we do pride ourselves on winning the right way. And listen, if you can get a bit of luck on the, along the way, of course. But... um. Fingers crossed that we can hopefully see him cut it out of his game. It's not a thing you want to see on a football pitch. You know, we make that very much clear. Um, but in the, the day, you know, I think, as I said, you know, the guy doesn't care. That, that's the big thing. He doesn't care. And like I say, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, one guy at the moment who is, um, well, he's getting his weekly sh- slot on this show. And that's Sir Juria. What a character. I mean, Jay, shall we start with you then? So, so many questions on Serge. I mean, I don't really know where to start with him, bless him. Um, Mladen Palic asked the question firstly, should Trippier start instead of Serge in future games, Jay? So what's your thoughts on that firstly, that question? Well, you know, I've, I've not been a, a big fan of Aurier and I'd sooner see Trippier than Aurier. But in fairness, 
you know, I think the that's the, the closest part of the team where one person is so close to his his backup version. Everybody else, we can more or less name our strongest side, and then it, it usually comes to the right back. There's some weeks you feel like Oreo is probably the better choice. There's some weeks you think Trippier is. I think at Palace, when when I looked at the side, I was a little bit surprised because I thought Palace will sit deep. They won't really attack, and there's no Zaha. Where, where you need Oria's pace. So it probably will be, we'll have a hell of a lot more of the ball, in which case go for the, the better delivery of Trippier. So for me, I would have played Trippier there more than, than Oria. In fairness to Serge Oria, like I say, I've not been his biggest fan, but the tackle that he made at nil-nil, forget the throw-ons, forget the miss, that was one hell of a challenge and is probably the best tackle we've seen this season. Mm. When he launched into it, I'm sure we all had our... Head in our hands and thought, oh no, here we go again. No Penalty, surge. red no card surge. is coming. <laughs> Don't do that, Serge. But I tell you what, that was a brilliant piece of defending. And even as somebody that's that's been a big critic of him, even I can sit back and say, do you know what? He saved us there. So, you know, I, the foul throws were comical. I'm, I'm sure it won't happen again. Well, the I mean... miss was incredibly frustrating <laughs> and I was banging my head. But the, 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 the moment I remember is the one thing that and that he's been a very good defender. And for a change, he was. So, you know, that's my summary of Oreo on the day. Well, I mean, Sam asked, Jace, can you teach surgery how to throw a ball? And Jay asked, who does the throwing training? What, what do you think, Jace? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe they can teach Hugo it as well, instead of relying on Hugo's kicking as well. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny. Pochettino after the game, Alistair, I want to bring you in because you did... Have that chat with Pochettino about surgery, which was absolutely brilliant. And he has accused Serge of trying to get in the sack, and he's promised that he'll be training this week on his throw-ins. What did you make of the instance being there, Alistair, and the post-match reaction with Poch? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just on Oreo first. I think selection-wise, I, I just wonder if it was as simple as to have Trippier in kind of if you're thinking of rotation for Trippier to play against Juventus. Obviously, Oreo's uh, can't play. I just wonder if it's as simple as that. Oreo plays, Trippier plays Rochdale, Oreo Huddersfield, right, Trippier, okay. Juventus. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if it's just as simple as that. Um, uh, he, he's, a, he's a funny character. He's, he came with so much hype. Mm. Um, and there's definitely elements to his game where you can see there's stuff to build on. But I just find with him it's um, it's the intelligence of the decisions or lack of sometimes. Um, the, t- the tackle, as Joe said, was fantastic. Was. He did a very similar one, I think it was against Ornautovic yes. against, uh, at the London Stadium. Mm. But I do wonder whether <laughs> maybe, and it sounds awful to say because I don't want to rip into players too much anyway, but I do wonder whether they, they're more, more lucky <laughs> because we've seen so many instances, <laughs> instances where he's gone in for similar tackles and it's all gone horribly wrong and he's given away penalties and things like that. I do wonder whether there's... that's. I mean, look, if there's anyone that's going to turn him into a decent fullback, it's Pochettino. Very he's like the fullback whisperer, mm, isn't he? He is. Oh, he is. Um, <laughs> and so if he can work, he's got a great pace. He's got to massively learn what to do with the ball. Walker grew into that role and what to do with the ball in the final third. And maybe that's something that Aurea, I mean, what is he? 25. He's so still quite young, isn't he? he's still yeah. youngish. Mm. Yeah. He, he, there's a lot to work with there. Um, but it's just oh, decision-making. I presume you can teach that. I presume it's I not hope so, Alistair. 25, oh, 20, so. 25 million. I hope so. <laughs> oh, I do. And, and obviously, you know, 
I couldn't ignore the throw-ins when it came to the press conference afterwards because it was record-breaking. You know, no player no, in the Premier not. League has ever taken three foul throws in a game. It's a schoolboy thing if you do it, and no professional player should ever take a foul throw. And he did three of them. Um, and Potts was fantastic <laughs> about it. I, I did wonder whether he was going to be a bit, you know, like, oh, God, you brought like, a negative thing after a mm. win. But he, he wasn't. He found it hilarious. Um, and actually, I think he was slightly embarrassed. There's a little bit of embarrassment about it as well. And, and you know... And he said, yeah, he said that they're going to practice them all week now, every single day. I, I tell the fans, I promise you, we're going to practice them. And then obviously I said, what did you say to Serge after the game? And he said, I, 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 of course I spoke to him. And I said, you're going to get me the sack. It's like, it's like I don't even teach you how to do a, take a throw on, you know. Oh. Um, and it, it, was, it, was, it was good natured. But you do wonder whether uh, there's been scenarios whether, where maybe he's given Serge Aurier a slightly sterner talking to after matches. I remember he told um, he told us when he when he first you know he he likes to have a meeting with players before he signs them. Yeah. And with Serge Aurier, obviously we had all the past and the controversy, <clears throat> which is no need to kind of go into again. But when he sat down and and, and Potts was asked, you know, how how are you convinced that he wasn't going to be a problem? He wasn't going to make these stupid decisions. And he said quite quite with a quite a straight face because I said. I said to him, Serge, if you do any of that here, I will kill you. You're looking for the little kind of, is he laughing? Is he a bit serious? Did he actually say that? And I think he did. So I, I, I get that impression that that's the side of Potch maybe we don't always see. No, true. And, and that's what gives me hope for Aurier in the future. You know, essentially, he's not going to be allowed to do daft things. He's going to have to learn as he goes quickly, really. Yeah, oh, he's an absolute character. I mean, Dan bringing you in. Listen, I love seeing your tweets of Ori on Twitter because it just makes me <laughs> laugh so much. But I've got a great question here. At Fun Human says, why does Oria make me so sad? Dan, that's a question for you. Tell us what you make of Serge Aurier. I mean, he had such a mixed game. And at the end, Dan, he had that chance where if we didn't win the game, he actually tread on the ball. Treaded on the ball. Yeah. I just couldn't yeah. believe my eyes. Could you believe what you were seeing, Dan, out there? <laughs> If you'd have asked that question at about 85 minutes gone oh. yesterday, it would have, I would have had a very long, very different answer. Okay. But, right, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the voice of reason. Go so on. you have to follow my Twitter if you want to see bad uh, yes. Oreo tweets. At you, tweets. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think maybe he might be the sort of character that might be taking a little bit longer to settle in on the pitch than, than a few others. So I really like Trippier, and I think he's actually probably the better right back. Um, and I'm actually glad what you were talking about earlier about the rotation and everything that, um, who, who he picks. I think, obviously, I think. Like you said, uh, Trippier will play Wednesday. And I'm just thankful that Trippier plays Wednesday and then Oria can play against Huddersfield. But then we can get Trippier back for the for the Juventus game. <laughs> we can get him back. Because, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I said to you before we, before we came on air, I said um, I was worried about Oria's uh, impressions off the pitch and not on it. But I think it's actually the other way around because I'm worried about him when he's on the, on the pitch. But off the pitch, it seems to have settled in really well. He seems, uh, was it him who introduced all the, all the Uno games? Or is that like they, a... they absolutely adore that game, don't they? I've never seen a club so fascinated by this board game. I mean, Alistair, can you believe it? This, this game has seems to take over the club. It's, it's everywhere. It's, 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 it's funny. I mean, anyone that follows their little Instagram stories, they do. And the punishment seems to be press-ups, doesn't it, if you lose the game and stuff like that. And... It's all good, is it? It's kind of overtaken the handshakes thing yeah. <laughs> this season. It seems yeah. to be the new thing that all the, you know, shows how matey they are almost. Yeah. Great, like I said. They can just say the, the camaraderie there, I think, as Eric Dyer said. I mean, the chemistry it is brilliant to watch, Spurs. And that's the great thing about this club. You can see everybody gets on so well there. And, Jason, I've got to ask you one question. Mark Bennett, I think it's more of a jovial one. Harry Kane takes a throw instead of Aurea. Is Harry now picking the team for the next league match, Jace? <laughs> 
if he might have a point. I mean, in fairness, I think, you know, when, when Orioles made two foul throws, there, there might be a case for somebody saying to him, Serge, let me take the throw-ons from now on in. <laughs> so uh, you could say somebody should have pushed him out of the way and not let him take the third one. But Harry can do what he wants, mate. If, if Whatever Harry wants to do, he's allowed to do. Jace, sticking with you, I mean, it's quite unique after all that pressure and dominance on that Palace's goal. I mean, the goal comes from a set piece, a corner into the box. Ericsson with that great ball in. I mean, and you've got to say, Jace, for the goal, you could probably argue Hennessy should have saved it. But a goal from a corner, Jace, a bit of a collector's item for this Tottenham team, isn't it? I think it's about the fourth or fifth one we've got this year. More than people realise. So, what was the last uh, one? But no, it was, I mean, yeah, what was the last one, Jace? Can last one? Newport, was it? Newport? New- okay. Newport? What about the league? Equaliser at Newport? Or the league? I can't yeah. remember. League? I'm trying to think league. Oh, I don't know. Alistair, can you think league-wise? Last corner, last goal from a corner? I can't. I think I think New, uh, Newport definitely in the cup was. Mm. I'm pretty sure that was a corner. I can't think in the league, though. No. They're not been great records, Jace. I mean, you've got to say that Hennessy really, Jace, should he have kept that out? Because it was... Uh, I couldn't believe he didn't palm it over. He probably should have done. He probably should have done. But it's, again, an, another thing that I love to see get caught out. Damien Delaney decides he's going to try and do a tango with Kane, turns his back <laughs> on the ball, and he's so interested in grabbing hold of Kane, he has no idea where the ball is, and Kane still gets his header in. And, and if it baffles me why defenders turn their back on the ball, and every time it happens, I, I'm, I'm pleased that they get punished. But, yeah, he perhaps should have kept it out, Hennessy, but <laughs> he'd made a fair few saves for them before that. But I think, like Dan said, I always I always felt confident the goal was coming even after Orioles miss I thought no if we keep plugging away there will be another chance and uh, we had enough forward players on the pitch then and, and good attacking players that, that I was always confident that we was going to get that winner and um, you know delighted that it finally came and what a massive goal it, it became for us yeah I mean you've got to say coming over to you Dan I mean bearing in mind Harry Kane's two guilted missed opportunities in front of goal it's fair to say that our Kane chat Tonight, as we're doing the show, it could have been a lot of a different. It could have been a different one, most certainly, if he didn't score the death. Uh, yeah, do you know what I, I said this? I said this on Twitter yesterday. His finishing over the last <laughs> six or seven weeks hasn't actually been that good. He's missed quite a lot of chances. Mm. I'm like Juventus, the penalty, um, it's a couple of others I've forgotten as well. But I, I think I think he's he's due an absolute six goals in a game soon. <laughs> when he when he gets his shooting boots on and everything goes in for him, he's someone's in for a punishment. But I mean, if, what can you what can you say that hasn't been said well, really? Yeah. I mean, incredible, isn't he? I mean, yeah. yeah. Alistair, thirty-five goals in thirty-six games this season. I mean, it's not even March yet. He didn't score in August. Is there anything, Alistair, you can say about Harry Kane that we probably haven't covered in this show because we struggle every week with Kane? <laughs> no, no, he's a machine. He is just a machine. He just finds a way somehow. And it's not been great to get form, Alistair. He's missing chances as well. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We're talking about yeah. still missing chances. Yeah, Dan's spot on. He has. Some of his kind of finishing has been really wayward mm. in recent weeks, but he's still chugging along with his goal. Incredibly kind of mature player he's becoming, um, and his stats are just obscene. And I can't remember the exact figure, but I think it's something like away goals. Somewhere along the lines of 22 away goals in the last 20 away games, something like that. He's just, he's so reliable, even even when he's not. It's a strange thing to say, but even even like yesterday, even... Even though he was missing those chances, you didn't really think, oh, it's not Harry Kane's day. You still felt at some point he was going to pop up with a goal, and he did. Yeah, I mean, that speaks all of it about the man, doesn't it? I mean, Alice, like you say, when you, even you feel he's having an off day, he's still got that ability 
to turn it on at the very last moment in the game. And just to give some of the guys out there their stats, we love the stats on this show, we can't help it. 23 goals in 34 London Derbys in the Premier League equals Didier Drogba's total in the competition. He had 23 and 64. I mean, 150 goals in his career now, 35 goals in all competitions this season, and he scored more league goals this season than Burnley, Swansea and West Brom. And as Alistair said, the guy, he is an absolute machine. Absolute machine. Um, in terms of after the game, we saw, I say, we've seen Jan Vertonghen, obviously we know, missed the game itself, but there was an ankle injury. I mean, Alistair, I know, I think you said Monday tends to be your day off, so he'll have that, obviously you may have already had that um, assessment today, possibly. Yeah, I think Potch said it was it was probably going to be today. Um, there's a press conference tomorrow, so I'm sure we'll find out the latest. They, Potch was trying to say he felt, it hopefully wasn't anything too serious, but unfortunately, with us cynical kind of types, we've we've heard that phrase before. Well, yeah, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and it hasn't always been something minor, um, which, to be honest, would be pretty disastrous. Fairly kind of sometimes is in the shadow of Alderweireld, and I think he's, I think he's fantastic, and I think he's played a massive part in Davinson Sanchez kind of adapting so quickly, as having Vertonghen alongside him, um, and. Yeah, I think it's one of those. That, let, let's hope. Let's hope it was just it was a knock in training. Um, he took a whack on the ankle. They wouldn't wouldn't name who did it, but um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it wasn't. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't uh, one fourth. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, let, let's brilliant. hope. Let's hope it's it's all good because I don't think we want going into that Juventus game as good as you know. Dyer and Sanchez were were really good. I thought oh, they played what? really well. Yeah. Thought they dealt with Benteke. He's not a handful in terms of getting into like goal shooting areas because he just doesn't seem to be that player anymore but in terms of a physical handful I thought they dealt with him really well I thought they dealt with Townsend let me ask you I mean it is incredible like you said there about the fact that that performance from Sanchez and Dyer. I mean that's the first time we've been without Alderweireld and Vertonghen since Toby joined the club do you think that itself should give Spurs praise for just how well we've done to keep that clean sheet away from Palace I mean that in itself deserves some credit doesn't it yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, they they weren't an enormous uh, attacking threat, but then partly that was because of the job these two guys were doing, and obviously when you are screening in front of them, when you can have Toby Alderweireld and Jan Vertonghen not playing and still be very happy with your defensive performance, a clean sheet. Hugo Lloris, I think he had the the most gentlest of save. Was the only time he touched the ball, wasn't it? When he, um, I think it was a header into his arms, and obviously there was that one where everyone thought he took it outside the area when he clearly didn't. Okay, well, let's move it on, guys. Let's have a couple of other questions from the listeners. Let's go to you next, Dan. Um, Gwyn Grau asked the question, what did you make of Mora's first Premier League outing? Needs more game time to show his best impact. Can we afford to allow him time when we must get every point available? Good point. What did you make of that question, Dan? Um, that's tricky, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I, I, I think Rochdale, I think he'll play against Rochdale, I'm presuming. Yeah, you would think um, so. Mm. I think maybe we're probably not going to see the best of him until next season, but I think he, he, he he's probably going to get the odd 10, 15 minutes um, in the next couple of weeks, maybe. Oh, I'd be, I'm not sure if he play against Juventus, but I mean, he, he looks like he when he's up and running, he can be really, really dangerous. I mean, mm. some of the runs he's doing against Rochdale, and he even tried a couple against Crystal Palace, but um, <laughs> I worry that he might be that sort of frustrating player, but at the same time, I'm, I'm really excited to really see him what he can do when he's fit, you know, playing against you know decent opposition. Really, 
Yeah, and you've got to say, the great thing we've seen about Mora so far is that unlike, we said it on the previous show, unlike the likes of NG and Nkudu in the past, this guy, he gets the ball and he just runs with it and he doesn't yeah, intimidate defences. So there's a lot to come from him. Hopefully we're going to see it this season. Um, Jace, let me ask you a question from Mohamed Surti, who says, what did you make of Moussa Dembele's performance against Palace? He's been magnificent as an eight, but he can be effective as a sitting defensive midfielder with the number of chances he takes. What do you think of that one, Jace? Well, I thought it was a strange one because I'm not sure we've ever seen him as a as an out-and-out defensive midfield player. He's always been alongside Dyer and Wanyama, and that's what we absolutely love about Dembélé. And he does he rarely loses the ball in our half, so I, I haven't got a problem with with where Dembélé plays. I actually thought yesterday, considering the form he's been in, he was wasn't quite the the Dembélé we had seen. He actually got muscled off the ball a couple of times and that. But <laughs> you know, I think we can excuse him that one at Palace. He's been imperious through that, that run of tough fixtures. And um, we all know that, that when Moussa Dembele's in the side, Tottenham play better. It's as simple as that. Yeah, no, you can't argue with that. Moussa Dembele, he has been an absolute machine. And Alistair, you've been watching Dembele up close week upon week. Is there anything you want to say about this guy? Because I think the last time we had you on, Alistair, I think there was a little bit of a concern with Dembele that this guy was, you know, could have been coming to an end. But he really is, Alistair, the last six, seven weeks. I mean, it's a phenomenal player to watch. Oh, it's, it's it's just been brilliant. I think yeah, there was a slight fear. His his performances were. He looked tired. He looked like a player that was carrying injuries. You know, we know he's always going to have this foot injury that's going to have for the rest of his his life essentially. But um, it's it's been brilliant. If if ever there's time you want to be proved wrong about a player and coming to the end of their kind of peak career, as it were, it's with Mr. Dembele. He's just he's just awesome to watch. I think he's. He's been helped with uh, the fixtures in the way they've come. And I think he's been rested very kind of cleverly at the right times. And he's kind of, <clears throat> we hit those kind of run of really tough games and he was just ready for him. I think they were, they were a week apart as well. Um, I think actually the only one, the one that was a surprise was Juventus, wasn't it? I think he came into Juventus straight after the North London derby and managed to maintain that fantastic. It was essentially like he'd stepped off the pitch at Wembley and just come straight into the uh, Allianz Stadium and just carried on where he was. Um, it is a joy to watch. And Alice, I've got to ask you, from one Belgian to another, um, there has been speculation this week. And I know obviously at the moment it is just speculation, but we feel with having you on, you're a very credible journalist. Everyone knows you on Twitter. They don't get following Alistair Goldie. He's one of the number one Spurs journalists you could talk to on Twitter. Toby Adeverald. Now, we had the Times break a story, I think, back end of last week that Spurs were preparing to sell Adeverald this summer because they were refusing to match his 150,000 per week wage demands, with Spurs only looking to go up to 110,000. Now, logic tells me, Alistair, that 40,000 isn't the difference here between Spurs keeping this player or not. So, do you have any information or anything you can share about the situation with Adeverald as things stand? Well, the main the main thing that's coming, coming out of the situation is that is neither side are panicking. There's no... There's no rush, which is probably scary. Maybe also in another sense, it's it's good that they're not kind of making rash decisions. I've seen some of the speculations, seen some of the reports, but in terms of my feeling is, I think is that they might just wait to the summer right. and kind of see what happens. It's it's there's no rush to kind of do this now in February. Um, the other thing, there's so many factors to this. It's it's ridiculous. You've got to you've got to look at it at the, at, as brilliant as he is, denying it. But also, he's uh, he turns 29 next week. 
it's if anyone's gonna it's not gonna be him that breaks the wage structure he's not gonna be the guy that suddenly is elevated above everyone else in the squad in terms of wages I think there's going to be a bit of a waiting game for a few of the players. I think we're going to have to wait until Harry Kane gets his new contract. He is going to be and he quite deservedly. Barrier, and I think, and I see you feel that yeah, guy there will. is going to set the barrier. He will. And when he gets his new contract, then everyone else kind of will be able to slot in below. Mm. Uh, and I think that's going to be the way this is probably going to play out. There is also a part of me that has a slight fear of the way Pochettino's remarking about it and how the way he answers questions is so incredibly reminiscent of the Carl Walker scenario. He admitted in his book that he, you know, he hadn't been able to say what he wanted about the Carl Walker scenario. I, I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not the case in this situation because he is a fantastic player. But then obviously you've also got the Davidson Sanchez element. Mm. Clearly at the moment, he's not he's not going to be at uh, Alderweireld's level, but I cannot stress, uh, um, kind of under under kind of stress, how, how much Pochettino is an enormous fan this kid is going to be one of the best defenders in the world very soon uh he was even bigging him up yesterday because uh, someone asked a question about dyer um actually no it was about aurea and about him settling in and he kind of went on this thing about how you know it's going to take him time as a foreign player and he needs to settle in and i do wonder whether the kind of the arrival of davinson sanchez that perhaps was a little bit of a kind of a safety thing a bit of a guarantee if if Alderweireld did go on has now given Poch even more of a like, oh, you know, I don't know if Alderweireld can actually play hardball with us at his age. We actually have this player that's coming through now as well. So it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. Like I said, I think, I think summers maybe when decisions are really going to be made, I, I'd, I'd be shocked if a decision has been made in February to sell a player um, in what we, four or five months time. That seems, does doesn't seem like good practice to me um you don't you'd have to you know you'd end up alienating the player uh with the Kyle Walker scenario I, I don't think there was a point where he was actually told yes you're going to go in the summer then I think it was something where kind of they said well we're not going to talk about this now I do feel that's going to be the case with Alderweireld because obviously with this contract we have this strange scenario where it technically runs out in 2019 but we take the option then this £25 million clause comes in mm. um, in the summer of 2019 and he can go, I think it's the last two weeks of the transfer window is when he can go for £25 million. Yeah. Obviously, that means decisions are going to have to be made this summer. Either if he's not going to get a new contract, then you're going to look for a figure around you know, the Van Dyke kind of price for him, aren't you? Um, does Levy take that or does he wait and then he goes for £25 million when he's 30 years old next year? Uh, sorry, 2000, it is next year now. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very strange scenario, you know. I can totally understand people's frustrations and 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 the panic. You know, he is one of the best players in the world world in, in defence. Why are you not tying him up to contract? But I just think there's so many different factors that all kind of feed into this one mm. thing, and that's why no one's kind of rushing into any decision yet. Yeah, I'm gonna get Dan's thoughts in a second on it. Let me ask you, Jason. I mean, because you've always been one that's always said, listen, they might want to leave it to the summer, like Alistair said as well. I mean. Is there any reservations and concerns for you, Jace? Because Alistair makes the point there that that clause in his contract does mean you know, that that £25 million effectively will come into play, that release clause where he can be bought. We're talking about a guy, Jace, that you know he will be approaching 30 soon. Listen, I absolutely think he's... Listen, I love Toby Alderweireld. and I want Tottenham to always keep their best players. But where do you stand, Jace, on the fence that when he approaches that 30 age and like Alistair says, the Kane contract is going to set the bar, where do you stand on Alderweireld as, as a whole? And in staying at Tottenham, well, I think I think the age thing thirty for a centre half isn't isn't like thirty for for other players. I think you know centre halves are usually at their best in their early thirties in many ways. So 
you know, I don't think the age is the big problem. I've said it all along, haven't I? To me, if I was advising Toby, I'd tell him to leave it till the summer. I mean, if Tottenham chucked a, and said, OK, we'll give you 150 grand a week, the reported figure in front of him, I still, if I was Toby, wouldn't sign it because Tottenham aren't assured of finishing in the top four yet. And Manchester United aren't assured of finishing in the top four yet. And, and I think that his problem would be is the likelihood is he's, he's heard from interested clubs. And if he signs that contract now and Tottenham don't make it, he knows he's got no chance of getting out of Tottenham on a cheap deal. And he may well know the club that wants him isn't prepared to pay 80-odd million quid for him. So it makes sense for Toby to leave it until the summer, even if Tottenham did come out and say, there's the 150 grand a week. And I think it's, it's as simple as that. Let's see where we are in the summer. And, you know, none of us are, are, are in the negotiations. It could be, you know, does Toby want 150 grand a week and still have a release clause in his contract for, for us not being in the top four and somebody else meeting it? it? It depends all sorts of reasons. None of us really know. And so I'm, I'm not panicking about it yet. I can see it. I can see a situation where Toby leaves. I can see a situation where, where Toby stays. And the only thing is, I'd also say is, you can look at Toby's situation as, a, as an individual situation. Does Toby deserve that money? Absolutely, he does. But, but Alistair's right. Tottenham as a whole, there's about 10, 11 players there that, that could all get better money elsewhere. And if you've got to look at the overall wage bill. And if the more we give to Toby is the less we can give to Ericsson and Kane and things like that. And it, it will come into that structure. Kane sets it and everyone else will have to take their their part from there. And if they don't like it, then, then that's the way it'll have to be. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dad, did I see a tweet from you saying that listen, we can't afford to let a player of Toby's nature just leave this club? I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, did I see that from you at the time um, when this news yeah. was breaking from times? No, no, what, what I meant was, well, we should have sort of just resign ourselves to always being pretty much the nearly man, basically, because I don't think it's actually a lot of money to, to spend on him. But Jason's right, he is right, that everyone's going to knock on the door afterwards. Without knowing the exact finances of the club and percentage of wages, I know they released a supporters club thing, a supporters mm. trust earlier with um, percentages of income against wages and that sort of thing. Without knowing those details, it's kind of really difficult to analyse. That's the thing, Dan, isn't it? Can, can we afford? To, should we pay Toby 150 grand a week? Yes, that's probably the going rate. Can we can we put Kane on 200? Can we put Toby on 150? Can we put Ericsson on 150? Can we put Deli Ali on 150? Mm. Can we put Eric Dyer on 125? If Toby's on 150, does Yan deserve to be pretty close to that? We haven't even yeah. talked about then Moussa Dembele. Well, Can you do yeah. all of that in one go? And so yeah, that, that's if Toby on, yeah. does it, Eric Dyer can quite comfortably go in and say, well, hold on a minute, I want 120. And we'll be sitting here saying, well, Eric Dyer's worth 120. And it's it's that, that whole accumulation, isn't it? And that's why I say the club have got to work out the whole, how much extra they can pay in wages to the squad. Absolutely. And then when they work that out, then they're going to have to set it down. And if they say to Toby, look, 130 is the most we can go to, then that's the most they can go to. Mm, I mean, Absolutely. I've got to say, Alistair, come around to you there. I mean, Jason's rattled for about 10, 11 players that we'd all say are absolutely pivotal to this Tottenham team. So the question I'm going to ask you, and it is a tough question, is how are we going to find a, a balance here where we're coming to what you'd arguably say is like a crossroads in terms of the wages? Because a lot of these guys know what maybe they should be on when they go away to their international camps. They all speak to each other. How do you think Spurs are going to manage that once they do move to the new stadium can we keep this bunch of players happy because all we hear at the moment is that a lot of the players are on incentivized contracts yeah well i think the thing that people forget it's kind of often overlooked and 
I get it. Kind of the headline thing is this wage is is so much, and it, it's it's kind of low comparatively compared to the others. But actually, Spurs' bonus system is the best in the league. It's really bizarre, and you 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 know you'd think with the riches at Man City, Man United, and all of that. But Spurs bonuses are the best is the best bonus system in the league. And actually, I've been saying that for a while. And I think someone, uh, I think Dan was saying about the trust minutes there. I'm pretty sure it was brought up in the meeting uh, there as well. Again, um, the likes of Harry Kane. I mean, Harry Kane. I think it is speculation that, but he's he's supposedly on a hundred grand a week uh, with Loris, both the top earners. There is absolutely no way Harry Kane will take home a hundred grand a week. He will. It'll be probably at least double that with all the bonuses and performance things and goals, uh, bonuses on top. Um, yeah, I, th- I think sometimes we kind of look at the, the headline figures and we maybe get a little bit critical. Um, mm-hmm. And I wish I could dig out this old table. There's a table that I saw <laughs> um, in one of the papers a while back, and it was a, it had Spurs as, in terms of percentage of revenue, what they pay in wages were second behind Liverpool. And it's like... There's only so much you, you can kind of take out of what you're earning to mm. pay these players. And they are fantastic mm. players. But I think you yep. mentioned the new stadium. And the new stadium will play its part. Whether the it's not gonna it's not gonna open up the revenue stream immediately, you know, there's obviously stuff to be paid off and things like that, but it but it is gonna it's gonna have an impact and the wages will will alter over the coming years. And I think there's like there's a couple of players we haven't even mentioned. Um well, like this is it. Dembele and Dembele and Vertongan. Yeah. Their um their contracts are up next summer. Well, that's the thing. So you got to say. I said it on Twitter. You know, if if Alderweireld's getting an extension, which he obviously likes, to say he rightly deserves. But God, Jan Vertonghen for what he's done this season, and he's got to be one of the most deserving, isn't he, for a contract extension and pay rise? Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I, I'm not where I'm not sure whether either player's got a um, you know an option to extend their contract or not, like Alderweireld has. But for me, that's that's even more pressing. You know, yeah. these are two fantastic players. Yeah, they're both over 30, but still they're both so key to the way Spurs play. For me, I'm sorry, Alderweireld's a brilliant player and that situation does have to be sorted out at some point, but but get these players sorted yeah, out. And I'm sure well. they're mm-hmm. probably, he's he's maybe not quite as popular, but we've touched on him already. Eric Lamella, that's another player whose contract's got to be sorted out mm-hmm. as well. Uh, do, do you almost stick or twist? Is he over the injury thing? Does that have to be... Um, you know, does, does he get a new deal? How much does that mean? It is such a complicated kind of jigsaw of a puzzle to put together the Tottenham wage structure. It's it's not quite as simple as Toby Alderweireld should be paid what he's worth. Mm. He's brilliant. Of course he deserves a higher wage, but it doesn't kind yeah. of work like that. You've got to agree. It's not, to say, it's, it's not as easy as that, is it? It really, really isn't as easy as that. I mean, this topic itself, it's a debate that we could go on for hours and hours in itself, but we have got another game coming thick and fast Wednesday. God, they're coming so fast. I mean, Jace, let's move it over to you then for Rochdale on Wednesday night. I mean, they've played twice since they've last played as Jace. They've lost one and drawn one of those. I mean... What kind of team does you expect us to field on Wednesday night against Rochdale? Doesn't matter, does it? Isn't it going to be match postponed by the look of it? That's my match prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is at the betting odds. Match postponed. It's going to be about eight feet of well, snow. Let's, let's assume, Jace, at the moment, and, uh... let's assume a game, the game is going ahead. What kind of team, Jace, would you expect to see on Wednesday night at Wembley? Uh, a very similar team to the one that we had up there. Um, presumably, Winks will... I mean, he wasn't in the squad yesterday, was he, Harry Winks? So I presume Winks yeah. will, will get a game. Uh, Danny Rose will play. I presume Toby's... Oh, no, Toby missed out yesterday through injury, so I don't know if that's cleared up. The fourth presumably comes in. And 
It could be Sanchez and fourth. It could be Dyer and fourth. It could be Toby back with fourth. I don't know. So Vorming goal and it'll and maybe the front three will be Lorente, Son and, and Lucas Mora again. But you know, let's be fair. We should we should have enough to beat Rochdale at home. We should have had enough up there. We should have enough to beat Rochdale at home, whatever side we pick. Okay, well, Dan, let me ask you a question. Mark Butcher says, can Spurs win the FA Cup and finish top four and go far in the Champions League? What do you make of that question, Dan? Oh, oh Rick. Oh. Yes. Rick, uh, Rick, just before that, mm. I, I, I confer with Mark what he actually meant. He doesn't say, can we? He says, will we? Will we? Okay. Win well, the FA Cup. Yeah. Let's put it's to more Dan, a will then. we than a can okay. we. Let's put it to Dan. Uh, will we? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, there you go. <laughs> There's the confidence. Uh, there's some big teams still left in, but I mean, I don't want to look past Rochdale really. But uh, no. you've got a feeling that we're going to we're going to should be right against them. Um, I did did um, hear today that I completely forgot about is that the FA Cup. There's no replays, and it's penalty shootouts. Um, so that might be a problem for us, <laughs> seeing as our away FA Cup form this year hasn't been the best. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, what, what do you guys think? I mean, what, what's the what's the biggest priority? Is it a trophy? Is it top four? Is it well, going fine? I mean, for me, I think this. For me, I, I've got to be honest with you, Dan. I think this Spurs side have got to a point now where, listen, Champions League seems to be essential in terms of the budget for the new stadium, yep. um, in terms of keeping our key players. But I think this club now it needs to win something. You know, I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. It would be an absolute travesty if these set of players under this manager walk away from this club without winning a trophy because it's a period really? of the club that needs to have something. We need to win something to really, you know, get over that line for me as winners. You know, it's a mentality that we need to, to to set at this football club that we haven't done so. And there's clubs around us. I hate to mention them down the road. They lost their cup final on Sunday, but they're getting to these cup finals and we need to start getting to them. That's the first hurdle and then overcoming them. I mean, Alistair, I want to ask you, we've got a question in from Adam Langston who says, hi guys, love the show and listen to it every Tuesday on my commute. Looking forward to having Alistair on the show. Um, I'd love to hear from Alistair in relation to this question. If you could only pick one, would you rather win the FA Cup but finish fifth or not win the FA Cup but finish second, third, fourth and qualify for next season's Champions League? So he's saying, Alistair, what would you prefer? Not to win the FA Cup, but still qualify for the Champions League or finish fifth and win the FA Cup? Oh, that is a nightmare Sorry. one. Um, <laughs> and, and my answer is going to be completely different to, uh, to what Pochettino's would be. I think in terms of... Oh, it's so tough because it's a new stadium as well. It throws this extra element of having Champions League football at the new stadium. So mm. That is a horrible question. It's an absolutely horrible question. Um... I probably would go for the trophy. But it's really weird because in my view, I think, as you've said, I think every kind of team, almost like a golden generation, almost the Spurs, this team, um, a manager who still hasn't got a trophy as a manager on his CV, I think he needs it. I think yeah. it's like uh, Mourinho and Brian Clough, people like that, they always look for that first trophy and it kind of kicked off a run. It didn't matter what trophy it was, whether it was even, you know, Community Shield, something like just whatever, just as long as it was a trophy. But Poch does not have that thinking at all and in his his view it's it's a domestic cup it's all right it's something that you know is a, is a nice bonus um but ultimately in his own words where are wigan where are portsmouth now who, who remembers mm. who won the fa cup um he wants to build this legacy of a team that you know in years to come will be winning premier league titles and champions league so for him it's just maybe it's maybe it's a foreigner coming to this country maybe it's that kind of aspect it doesn't quite have the same luster the FA Cup as maybe it does to maybe the English managers, but 
I just think they need it. I think do, it just can, mm. so many questions go away. So many of the silverware. Of course, thing, what you have know? you won? What have you won? What have yeah. you won? That's all we get from, right. isn't it? What have you won? And that, that, yeah. that's a, and that would stop. It's the last thing they can throw at us, really, isn't it? Mm. What exactly. have you won? You saw Carl Walker yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and all his interviews, and I'm sure for Spurs fans, it was like. Bloody hell, when he's, uh, like, he was coming out saying that, stuff that is quite right. You, you can't argue with it. He's like, that's why I came here to win trophies. I, mm. um, you know, that's one down and things like that he's been saying. And, and I think these Spurs players deserve that. Whether yeah. whether Pochettino wants it or not, I think it would be an important kind of brick in the foundation of what's to come. Almost as important as kind of what he's got in mind as well. Yeah. I wonder what um, some of the Spurs players were thinking watching him. I because I the, the thought coming through my head is like oh god it didn't feel good like do you know what I mean I wonder yeah I agree I, yeah I just worry you, you do just wonder thinking, oh, no. yeah like you said Dan you do just wonder where do do those heads start to turn do you know what I mean that's the yeah, only concern you it. see him holding trophies like that and the celebrations and Jace I mean let me get your thoughts on that you know we saw Kyle Walker you know he's been at City for less than a year he's picked up his first trophy do you worry like Dan says that other heads around him at Tottenham they start to think well do you know what we're seeing this guy achieve. That in his first season, going to go on and win a Premier League. Now, we're still striving to get one trophy on board. What's your thoughts on that, Jace? Yeah, I think, you know, there, there would have been some who, who would have noticed it. But, you know, we've seen it before when we've won a trophy. Has it ever led to anything? And, and players have soon left that summer anyway. Berbatov and Keane is a prime example. How long did they stick around having won a trophy mm. when they had Champions League football and a bigger wage packet to go on? So, you know, I think every player is different. It'd be fantastic if we won the FA Cup and say to Toby, here's 150 grand a week and he might still want to go somewhere else. <laughs> I, I mean, probably every player has their own different view on it. Mm. All I'd say is, I know Carl Walker's walking around with a League Cup, but he didn't leave Tottenham to win a League Cup, did he? He, won, no, he no, left no. Tottenham to win a Champions League and, and, a, and a Premier League. So... You know, if, if Carl Walker only ended the season with a League Cup, I'm not so sure so many would be jealous of him in the first place. But, you know, I've said it, haven't I? I think until we're in that state, at the end of next year, year one in that stadium, I definitely want trophies. But I think it is massively important that we take Champions League football in that stadium. And we here we are saying, let's pay Toby what he wants. Let's give all the players those pay rises. To do that, you're going to have to have Champions League football. Yeah. So make your mind up. Make your mind up. Let's get some predictions, guys. We've run out of time. We wanted to squeeze in more about Rochdale, but listen, the game itself, we pretty much know it's going to be a, it's going to be a, say, a second streak. It's probably going to be players that haven't necessarily been playing recently. Alistair, let's get a prediction from you then ahead of Wednesday night. I think I think he'll change all eleven players, and I think I don't think Rochdale are quite as 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 good as Newport were away. So I think at home. I'll go for 3-0. For 3-0. Well, that's if the game does go ahead. Jason, with the yes. weather warning, reckons it may not go ahead. 3-0 from Alistair. Dan, are we on a roll here? What are you going to go for? You know, I'm going to be really boring and just say 1-0. 1-0. You're going to make this... <laughs> Yeah, 1-0. It's going to be Barnsley all over again, but we'll do it easily. <laughs> be fine. So you reckon we'll score early then, Dan? Are you going to make us suffer for that? Uh, nah. I reckon maybe 80 minutes get Kane off the bench. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah, maybe one or two nil. I mean, some of those games at Wembley, I don't know what the tennis is going to be like, but they, they seem to be a bit lacklustre, don't they, really? Some of those replays and those cup games. So, yeah, two nil. Yeah, two nil. OK. And is Asoko involved in that score in there, uh, Dan? So that again? Is Asoko involved in the score sheet on that one? <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah, you never know. Sissoko double. Sissoko <laughs> brace. How about that? Brace. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> and Jase, finish it up with you. What are you going to go for? Well, they won't be able to see us in our white kit because, you know, we'll look like we'll be disguised by the snow. So that'll, <laughs> that'll definitely help us. And it might even help Lorente. But, 
Yeah, I might just go 2-0. My, my fear is that, you know, if you haven't bought your ticket yet and you see the forecast and it's live on TV, I, I fear there might be like 15,000 at Wembley and, and that, that could have an effect on the game because it would just be a really completely soulless bowl and you might get a lot of Tottenham players that, that can't be asked to be there themselves. So let's hope we get through. But yeah, maybe just just 2-0 as, as Dan said or something like that. Yeah, I'm also going to go with 2-0. I think, like I said, it's going to be one of those games where hopefully we'll wrap it up, but it may not be as uh, convincing. But, I mean, like Alistair says, I mean, 11 changes, you pretty would maybe expect that. There's a lot of those guys in that squad that need games. The likes of Alder Rearold, uh, who, like I say, we don't know if he's going to be fit or not. Alistair's at the press conference Tuesday, so we might know more about that. And, obviously, Winks needs games. Sissoko, Lorenzo, you name them. These guys need games, so it'll be interesting how we get along. Alistair, thank you so much for coming back on tonight. We've really, really enjoyed having you on. Cheers for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, pleasure's been all ours. Really, really enjoyed it. And Dan, thanks for coming back as always. Hopefully we'll get you both back on. Um, if not, end of this season, begin the next. Yep, definitely. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, come oh. on you Spurs. Come on you Spurs, come on you Spurs. And Jace, thanks as always. No problem, mate. Come on you snowmen. <laughs> come on you snowmen. <laughs> well, guys, listen, we are going to be back on Thursday night looking back at Rochdale, hopefully if the game goes ahead. Have a cracking week. And as always, come on you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network.